This podcast is not meant to be professional advice of any kind. It's meant to be informative and entertaining. If you make any changes to your life, see the appropriate professional before you do so. Welcome to Super Age. My name is David Stewart. I am the founder of Ageist and your host on the Super Age show. We talk about how to live healthier, how to live longer, and how to be happier. And who doesn't want that? Today's show is brought to you by Inside Tracker, the dashboard to your inner health. Go to insidetracker.com slash ages, save 20% on all their products. The show is also brought to you by Element, L-M-N-T, my favorite electrolyte mix. It's what I put in my water in the morning, and it's what I put in my water at the gym. Go to drinkelement.com slash ages and receive a free eight-serving sample pack with any purchase. Today's show is also brought to you by Timeline Nutrition with their breakthrough product, MitoPure, the first clinically tested urolithin A supplement, which is showing tremendous results for mitochondrial health. Go to TimelineNutrition.com slash Ageist, use the code Ageist at checkout, and save 10% off your first order of MitoPure. Welcome to episode 128 of the Super Age Podcast. This will be dropping on April the 5th, 2023. This week, we're going to have a very important and interesting conversation. The conversation is going to be around some of these new weight loss drugs, which are based on semaglutide, um, which are known as GLP-1 agonists, um, some of which I'm sure you've seen advertised, Ozempic, uh, Majaro, I'm sure there's uh, several others. So on the show today, we're going to have Erin Keyes, she's the CEO of Telegenics, and Anissa Buckley, who's been on here a couple of times before with Be Untethered, and we're going to talk about the appropriate use of semaglutide and sort of the lifestyle around it and maybe some of the people who shouldn't be doing it. So um, it's going to be an interesting conversation, trust me. And then, so what's been going on here in the very snowy mountains of Utah? Um, I, I, you know, I love snow, but there <laughs> we're somewhere around 700 inches of snow. We got three feet of snow in the last three days. It's just a lot of snow. <laughs> Like, you can't see the road signs anymore. Um, but I think actually today is going to be more or less the last day of winter. Um, I think next week it's going up to 60. And then, you know, we're going to move into mud season <laughs> and flood season. People are a little concerned about that. Um, you know, one of the other things that's happened is my master's ski racing program has come to an end. And I've learned a lot. Uh, one of the big things I've learned is that knowledge is not the same as skill and just because I know what I should do doesn't mean I can actually do it. However, I've, I've made a lot of progress, and I want to very proudly say something I'm very proud of, which is that I am now a sponsored athlete, 64 years old, sponsored athlete. <laughs> Who knew? Um, so I am sponsored by the Dina Star Ski Company, Lang Ski Boot Company, and the Wonderful Look Binding Company. Um and they're, you know, wonderful brands, great products, great technology. And I'm all I can say is it's, I'm just like thrilled that they invited me into their family. And, you know, I'm 64. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> the first sponsor of today's show is Timeline Nutrition with their breakthrough product, MitoPure. We all know how important mitochondrial energy is and especially maintaining muscle and strength as we age. Urolithin A, which is found in MitoPure, has been clinically proven to increase muscle strength and endurance with no other changes in lifestyle. 
Urolithin A is essentially upgrading your body's cellular power grid, giving your body the energy it needs to optimize. I've been using MitoPure for a few months now, and what I can tell you is there is a noticeable change in the way my muscles re-energize after I use them. What that means is, say I'm involved in some intense activity in the gym or maybe some sporting activity. Normally, the next time I did it, my I would be you know kind of tired. I, I would be sort of gassed out. That doesn't seem to happen with this. Um, and all I can imagine is because my mitochondrial grid has essentially been upgraded. It's not just my muscles that are getting upgraded. It's all the other cells in my body because they're all powered by mitochondria. Go to TimelineNutrition.com slash Ageist. Use the code Ageist at checkout and save 10% off your first order of MitoPure. The second sponsor of today's show is Element, spelled L-M-N-T. Element is an electrolyte drink that contains the exact ratios of the electrolytes sodium, magnesium, and potassium to optimize our cellular functioning for mental and physical performance. Most of us understand that, you know, we need to stay hydrated. But what a lot of people don't realize is just pounding water isn't going to cut it. In order for our cells to function properly, they need sodium, potassium, and magnesium in the right doses. Element has perfected the balance. Now, of course, people with prehypertension or hypertension need to be careful about their sodium intake. But for most of us who are mindful about eating clean, unprocessed food, most of the time, we may not be getting enough sodium, potassium, or magnesium. That's why I drink a packet of Element each day. If you'd like to try Element, go to drinkelement.com slash ageist, that's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash ageist, and receive a free eight-serving sample pack with any purchase. Let me know what your favorite flavor is. I'm, I'm into citrus salt. What's yours? Directly after my conversation with Aaron and Anissa, we're going to have uh, an episode of Just Try This, which is that little sort of fortune cookie thing that we do that helps you live a little longer, a little happier, a little healthier. So that'll be right after my conversation with Anissa. And let's give them a call right now. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Anissa. How are you today? Good. How are you? All right. I'm doing well. I, I think this is a super important conversation we're going to have today. Um, I'm, I'm going to ask you guys some somewhat difficult questions. Um, I know you're going to have good answers for them. Um, you know, what we're going to be talking about today is probably like the hottest topic out there um, in the, I guess we'll say body composition world. Um, so let us begin. Um, Aaron, so you're uh, CEO of Telegenics. And what does Telegenics do? Telegenics at its core is a regenerative care platform. Uh, we focus on peptide and sometimes hormone or supplement-based protocols. Uh, we offer our care through a virtual visit mechanism so as to extend access to life-saving and life-changing regenerative care pathways. Awesome. Um, Anissa, what do you do? So we have a lifestyle platform for women 40 plus um, that really takes science and creates nutrition and fitness and supplementation options um, that are personalized to a woman as she comes through the menopause uh, stage of life. And what are you doing with Aaron? So we're partnering, actually. Um, this is all about taking lifestyle, but giving a little bit of a jump start. If you're, you're interested in losing weight, and many times 
Um, women do naturally go through a little bit of weight gain with menopause uh, because of the loss of estrogen, because of the loss of muscle mass, which is critical because that does affect your metabolism. And so unless you change your lifestyle, um, yeah, you're going to see a little bit more visceral fat and visceral fat is that belly fat around the middle that can lead to um, further complications, issues, chronic illness. So we partnered with Erin and I'll let her tell you a lot about that, but basically to um, help add peptides into our lifestyle program to initiate that fat loss. Um, initially, I mean, we have other options we're looking at as well with mental clarity, but really weight loss is a big factor here and um, helping people get to a healthier weight through the combination of the two. And when you say little bit of weight gain, what are we talking? The average is six pounds, um, but that doesn't take into effect the loss of muscle mass and muscle weights, you know, more than fat in general. So if you're losing muscle and you're gaining fat and it's only six pounds, it could be more like 10 pounds. And so it's really about how your clothes fit, right? You think about the waist of your pants or, um, you know, think things of that nature. That's really what I hear the most from people is body composition shift more so than like, Hey, I've on my scale, I just gained, you know, six pounds. Awesome. So Aaron, somebody comes to you and they say they've, we'll call it 10 pounds. We'll say, um, they've gained 10 pounds during a menopausal transition. What do you, what are your suggestions for them? You know, I think we we take a pretty multidimensional look at this. And so by the time someone gets to me, generally they've tried a number of options um, that may include dietary pattern shifts, that may include exercise changes, but oftentimes they're just very confused in the healthcare system where and what can help them. So in our program, we will offer a consultation to discuss where they sit in terms of um, their daily habits, their curiosities, and their long-term fit for something like a peptide therapy. Um, We, you know, to give a little asterisk to what Anissa was saying, it's often not just the six pounds or 10 pounds that we are addressing. There is in the American you know, nation, a propensity to gain weight as we age. So it's not just menopause that we are working through. There are often very complex multifactorial scenarios that lead to weight gain over the lifespan. Um, and so I, I do want to kind of reframe the conversation because if it is a, a six pound difference, there's going to be a, a treatment pathway that differs than someone who's had chronic weight gain or um, is looking for a, a different goal or outcome uh, than that specific scenario. So intelligenics, we assure that we're thinking through health span as opposed to just an immediate solution. Um, and by uh, one of the things I'm understanding by peptide, you mean semaglutide, which is there are a number of options for that. So GLP one agonists are Mm -hmm. a very hot topic as you have uh, alluded to, and there are a number of those. So everything from, you know, liraglutide and diluglutide, which have been around for a while um, through semaglutide, terzepatide, there's a, there's a number of options there. In our program, we have options beyond that. So those, I think, are in many ways an introductory point for many people pursuing peptides. But the um, breadth and width of peptide offerings for body composition, whether that is fat loss in particular, 
um, or, you know, lean muscle growth or beyond, they're numerous. So in our program, we can personalize to the health goals of the specific individual, regardless of the, the point in life or in context of the point where they are in life and the, the goals, priorities, and needs that they have. Um, I, I'm going to assume that if someone's coming to you, they're, they're probably going to be for initially anyway, one of these GLP-1 receptor agnus. Um which are, you know, we see them advertised, Ozempic, um, Omjaro, I think there are a couple other ones out there that are mm-hmm. the pharmaceutical version of these. Yeah. Um, these, um, where are you, it, you're not getting, you're not giving people the pharmaceutical variety, like they go to CVS. They're, um, I understand they come from compounding pharmacies. We have managed a combination of them. So I think what we're seeing at this point in our our journey with peptides is that some people do have access to Ozempic, Wagovi, Manjaro, et cetera, and they need some support on how that is managed. The uh, birth of these medications, I think, has, has shown innumerable potential, and the training on it has been has been limited for certain practitioners. And so when they are looking for those who have been specifically trained in this space and are um, desiring more specific management, we we can manage those cases as well. If someone is coming to us in general, um, it is oftentimes because of um, a more you know complex or personalized plan that they desire. So, uh, you know, kind of going back to what you originally said, though many people do come pursuing semaglutide, many people actually come pursuing an option that is not semaglutide because they cannot find that anywhere else as well. So we get a a good balance of both of them. Uh, We also do use compounding medications across a number of peptides. um, And that just means that uh, we purchase um, and have agreements with specific compounding pharmacies that we have uh, vetted and asked to um, go through our own quality assurance process. So I think that's, you know, just to get ahead of the the likely question based on the media response to this, you know, I do think that there's a lot of wisdom in advising people to be uh, very certain about their choices in terms of the practitioner and the compounding pharmacy source. I agree with that. Um, it is difficult to put that on a patient who is unlikely to know the quality assurance process to go through and checking that pharmacy. So that's one of the things that we can do is give people a safe and secure option from people who know what they're looking for end to end in terms of purchasing that medication and that quality process. So my understanding is that um, a lot of the pharmaceutical versions of these um uh, these drugs are in short supply. They're very hard to get. So something like Ozempic. So people are turning to compounding pharmacies yep. um, to get another version of them. Um, so the, the version that you're getting from a compounding pharmacy, what what exactly is that? Um, there's a There's a variety of options that we can offer. So some of the uh, medications are compounded with other peptides. And so there can be specific advantages to that if the person um, does desire that. Um, that said, we can also offer, um, you know, semaglutide itself based on the shortage. So when but, there but, is... But, but wait a minute, you can't because semaglutide is really, it's patented by Novo Nordisk and it's only sold under Ozempic. 
during so, a shortage, the pure form of semaglutide is able to be compounded. Um, actually, um, the quote from Novo Nordics is the company insists it does not sell compounding, um, does not sell semaglutide for compounding purposes. And so there's that. I think what they're, you know, potentially, and we'd have to invite a Novo Nordisk uh, representative on to talk through that, where they're, they're, um, you know, semaglutide itself is a series of amino acids. So that is not um, a hidden recipe of a, you know, a drug compound. And so in that case, you know, I, I do think that compounding pharmacies are able to, in a very quality assured way, make sure that they are giving. My, yeah, my understanding is what's being sold is semaglutide sodium, which is a compounded version of semaglutide which is not approved by the FDA. I have heard that there are certain compounding pharmacies that are selling that and then some that are not. And this goes back to that original question mm -hmm. of how do you know how to choose this? And as a patient, mm -hmm. you really cannot. And so right. from the provider side and from you know our medical advisory board or scientific advisory board, having representatives that can parse through those details is really critical. And that's why we do encourage people to find a source that they... Um, that does know how to look for those specific questions. I'm sorry, this is a bit of an inquisition, but um, <laughs> I, I just want to tell people that, um, you know, when, when you guys came to me and you said, you know, semaglutide for menopause, um, I ran it by my scientific board and that was a big no-no. And I've talked to maybe a dozen clinicians, scientists, medical people since then. And I got the same thing. I got a huge pushback on this. Um, you know, semaglutide was all these drugs were approved by the FDA for pre-diabetes, for diabetes, and for obesity. Mm -hmm. Um, not for somebody who wants to drop 10 or 20 pounds. Different thing. Yeah, I think you know, when you take a look at the um AMA's classification of obesity, it does approve obesity as a disease state. And in terms of that. It both uh, seeks then treatment for obesity itself and also mm -hmm. prevention of obesity. And mm -hmm. I think that this is a, a component that is often lost in the narrative where, you know, we don't wake up one day and we're obese. We slowly but surely throughout the lifespan uh, from the many environmental factors, lifestyle factors, genetic factors, et cetera, can gain weight. And I think that this is something that's really been proven coming out of the pandemic as well. Um, and with recent research about um, obesity as, as a disease and how it's not as simple as calories in, calories out for the average um, person. And so I think in reframing it that way, when we take a preventive mindset and assure that we are, you know, really looking for health in the lifespan, I am frustrated by the comment that we do have to wait until someone does have obesity to get them the care that they need, if that then requires them to have the risk factors and comorbidity opportunities that we could prevent by engaging with them and including them in the healthcare home a lot sooner. So I think, you know, it's an interesting point and, you know, none of us are really talking about the, you know, Kim Kardashian 21 pounds for Marilyn Monroe dress scenario here. We're talking about this in a framing of healthcare and prevention and putting us on a track so that our lifestyle can be improved in a joyful way. Well, well wait a minute here. So we're talking about two different animals. 
Um, Are we though? Because I think that that's the kind but, of the but, point of our program is combining those two together. But if you're talking about somebody who is 10 or 20 pounds, mm-hmm. that is a very different thing than someone who is a hundred pounds. There are very different health implications there. Mm-hmm. Anissa? I, if I can just sort of add, um, and, and I think when you first asked the question, David, at the beginning of um, you know, what is the average weight gain in menopause? I think I totally failed to, um, put the underlying fact that the average woman over the age of 45, I mean, 45% of us are obese, not overweight. And so we're starting from a basis point as Aaron was saying. And I think that's, that's part of our market here is again, there's lots of classifications and it's really about people who, um, are at an unhealthy weight that need to to drop that weight. And I think that's, that's really who we're targeting here. And I don't think we can, this is my opinion. I don't think we can put a number on it to say 10 pounds, because if somebody should really is very small frame should really weigh a hundred pounds and it's 10 pounds, that's different than somebody who should really be 150 pounds. Right. So it's more like what percentage of body weight, um, are you looking to lose? And, you know, are you the right, um, you know, sort of gap between ideal and where you are today and what has menopause done to you, because we know that facilitates um, a much harder process to lose weight and obviously an implication on your blood sugar levels that this this um, peptide is designed to address. I guess that's where I'm coming from with partnering here and, and looking at the situation. And so I don't think, I mean, I think it's very clear, but I don't think any of us are here saying, yeah, it's about losing the five pounds to go on vacation in a month. I mean, I don't think that's what we're endorsing here. Um, so I just wanted to clarify that. that Yeah, I think that's a really good point. The other component of it is, you know, we're viewing this in many ways in isolation. And so if a person, um, is thinking through this and in terms of stacking all of their behaviors, you know, from a personal perspective, as someone who has used our product, I think it has given me in many ways, motivation to pursue my health in a more proactive way. I am a type one diabetic and I can tell you the five to 10 pounds has huge implications for my insulin, my day-to-day health, my sleep, you know, exercise. And so when we we ascribe a specific set of numbers to that. I really do think we miss that whole picture of health. And I don't think it has to be as extreme as having something like type one diabetes or chronic illness. Each person should have the power and the autonomy to choose how they want to approach their health when they feel the best. And, you know, we can support them in getting there in a health pursuit way. None of us, you know, Anissa, nor myself, nor anyone in our companies are going to do anything that is, is negative for people's health. We do not do that. That is absolutely a liability. That is not part of our ethos. We are not going to do something that damages a person's health. If they do want to invest in it in what we are thinking of as innovative and creative ways to move forward. That sounds like a plan, but we, that's why we take initiative to do partnerships with things like lifestyle programs, like be untethered, which really can personalize and assure that that person is not being myopic and how they're approaching, you know, their own lifestyle habits and development. Thank you for that. Um, I really feel like I'm the inquisitioner here and it's not the role that I'm comfortable taking um, at all. But um, yeah, I think on the on the positive side here is something that you mentioned about, and, I, and I've given a lot of thought since we started this conversation about, you know, having this podcast, I've given a lot of thought to this. Um, and, you know, one of the things that has occurred to me is that if someone is 
you know, say they're five, four, and you know, I'm just going to pick another they weigh 200 pounds. All right. So they're obese. Um, taking, having something, you know, like a semi-glutide drug um, and having them drop some weight will allow them to do the sort of activities that Anissa is talking about. So they'll be yeah. able to like hike, they'll be able to go to the gym, they'll be able to do yes. things that they hadn't been able to do because simply because they weighed too much. Yeah. Um, which and, I, which I think is a real positive here. David, one thing to add on to that, uh, I got too excited, I almost cut you off there, um, is, you know, I think that's been the most exciting thing about our program. I have been in healthcare for a very long time. I've been in public health for a long time. And so behavior change is a key component of that. When we talk about motivation and um, empowerment, what we are asking people to do in a lifestyle sense is often very shaming. So if we are telling them, you know, get out there and, and do that hike, get out there and lift those weights, but we are not considering their personal, you know, setting or context mm -hmm. that is often just patient shaming. And I, I don't think that is an ethical approach to this. And so when we approach this from an ecosystem perspective, I do think that we are able to treat the person in front of us. There's a patch Adam Adams quote, quote about this, I think, where, you know, if you treat the disease, it may or may not work. If you treat the person, it will work. And so when you can personalize the care that you're offering and giving those specific actionable and effective routes. I do think that it creates this opportunity for them to carry that forward there on their own terms, as well as, you know, in community and, um, you know, in support with both of our organizations. So the, the key here though, is that it's not just the shot. They have right. to be doing what Anissa is talking about or else there are some real consequences here. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's the same where it's not just a diet. It's not just a dietary pattern. It's not just exercise. All of this has to work in, in context together. Um, it's also not just genetics. It's, you know, there are so many factors here, which is why I think a lot of the conversation around semaglutide is so frustrating because I don't actually think that, you know, maybe the Groupon versions of semaglutide are promoting shot only, but I would imagine that even they are not. This is a component of a person's life. It is not the only thing that we hope that they are doing to pursue their own health. And it adds immense value to a number of laboratory values, lifestyle changes, confidence and well-being, comfort exploring. You know, people talk about how they have to go on a diet before they can go to the gym because they feel so intimidated by the gym. Mm -hmm. Let's wrap this motivation and this innovation and re just really take a hold of what the world is offering us so that we can go on and be the best versions of ourselves. And at the end of the day, that's all I want. I want people to find their well-being. I want them to find the best version of themselves. I do not care if that is, you know, they're 5'4 and it, they're 200 pounds or they're 5'4 and they're 100 pounds, you know, as long as they are pursuing a healthy life, mind, body, spirit, whatever it might be, I want to be a part of their journey and empower them to find the the the, the them that they want to be, if you will. Um, th there's a fantastic piece um, in the New Yorker this week, um, the March 27th issue. Um, Gia Gia? Tina. Yeah, so yes. Gia wrote. Um, mm -hmm. And there's some there's a fa fascinating piece of information in there from Dr. I'm going to pronounce this guy's name wrong, Louis Arnone. He's the director of comprehensive weight control at the Weill Cornell Medical. And this is, and I hadn't known this. He was saying that if someone is 
very overweight. There's actually damage to the hypothalamus from too many calories coming in too quickly. And it damages the nerves that respond to the hormones that control body weight. So if, and this is one of the things which, which I hadn't known about actually, that there's so much glucose goes in there. Um, we're damaging the hypothalamus and that's a permanent condition that doesn't, you don't come back from that. So currently, (laughs) currently, yeah, until we regenerate the brain, um, (laughs) which may be coming, we don't know. Um, so with, in someone in that condition, even exercise and extreme calorie restriction is not going to do anything. It's, it's, it's just not going to work. Um, which is something that, that I had never known. I thought it was an interesting factoid. And if we want to, you know, even take that a little bit of a step further, when you take a look at our food system in this country, the nutritive value is low and the sugar content is high. Um, the, you know, a number of foods that are just really commonplace in this country are unapproved in Europe or elsewhere. Oh yeah. Uh, A a number of my co-founders are from Australia and they, uh, in coming here, you know, their goal is to make the U S the healthiest country in the world. That is an uphill battle with the environment that we're existing in, whether that is built environment, the food system and beyond. And so that's where I do think when we are hyper judgmental of one component of weight management, but we are not addressing the day to day lives of all of our citizens there, that is an ethical conversation. You know, I think that this really lifts above the individual uh individual treatment level and and moves back into that system state. And so I do, again, just want to go back to this ecosystem approach of what are the variables and levers we have to pull to manage our own health as individuals and as a nation. And this is a very big and important lever. And so when we're hyper-focused on certain risk factors, which are real and they should be physician managed. And I do want to acknowledge those and I don't want to underplay them. I do think we are missing this opportunity to really restore the health of a a wide swath of the population. Um, My personal feeling is that Mountain Dew should be a controlled substance. (laughs) You should need a prescription. If you want to... If you want to kill yourself, you need a prescription to do that. <laughs> oh, I started out in engineering at Michigan. And I tell you, that must have, like, they have stock in Mountain Dew because that is what, you know, we're not running only on peptides over here. There's some caffeine involved, but I can't even have Mountain Dew. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen it, but, um, you know, peeps that come out at Easter time, those little marshmallow sugar coated like candies, right? Well, you probably have seen they're now making a soda. That yeah. is actually peak oh my God. flavored. I know it's 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 surreal <laughs> to be honest. But you're living in my world, Aaron. With those comments, I mean, I spent a lot of years in nutrition databasing and grocery retail, and you know, um, I don't want to get too political in the conversation because um, there is a lot of lobbying effort <laughs> that supports this current system that we have in place. Um, but the reality is that. Unfortunately, a lot of it is, it is that it's marketing, it's hype. And unfortunately for consumers, as simple as it may seem some days to make the right decision, it's not because of the claims that are made because of, you know, these artificial health sort of halos that we have. Um, I mean, and let me just say, I love Whole Foods dearly, but you know, there's a perception that everything there is fine, right? Everything in Whole Foods is is great. And, and same with organic. Yeah. And so um, it's just the unfortunate uh, lack of education we've really had over the years here in this country as to we, it's the green, it's the green screening, right? It's really the fact that we have 
led people down a path of believing, you know, sort of all or nothing. This, this whole category is healthy for you, or this whole way of eating is healthy for you. And we chop, chop off blocks of macronutrients at times. And we, you know, get crazy on calorie restriction or intermittent fasting crazes that make no literal sense um, for our bodies. I mean, I'm not against it. I'm just saying there's certain ones that are really, they're not healthy. And so, um, so that's really where we come into play here really is balancing that all out based on science and helping people really down to the nth degree. We have a grocery filter, as you probably know, that literally provides a filter on products that are actually better choices for women in this phase of life based on the science. So um, not that that's the be all end all, but all of these together are the stepping stones that it takes to start understanding hormone decline, the implications it has, and the tools that you have to work with to get yourself to that better, better place. Yeah. And I think one of the things you're bringing up, I've, you know, maybe this is also political, but I am who I am. Um, you know, one of the things that I've been meditating on is that, um, throughout the course of our life, we will balance things in different ways. And, there are components of life that make it unfeasible. People will often say, you know, if you prioritize exercise or eating well higher, you can just do it. And I, I don't think that that's true for many people. I think that's an unrealistic expectation for, you know, a new mom like myself, newish mom, trying to balance career, trying to, um, you know, take a number of things that are all urgent and high priority. And so sometimes you just need a little bit of help in certain components of your life. And menopause can be one of those. That's a very challenging, stressful, and hard time for a woman and her whole community, frankly. And so if you do need a lift during those times, I think that's very that's fine. That's extremely valid. Um, and so I, I want to also acknowledge that component and think about the system that we're creating that puts these, these unrealistic demands on people throughout their life course. Um, when, you know, that's, that's not realistic for some people, we are all dealing with a ton of pressure and a ton of confliction, um, in how we're approaching our own individual choices. So if there is something that can give yourselves a lift, that can give your day-to-day -day life a lift, that can, you know, potentially drive something to um, a place that you can maintain it yourself long-term or not, you know, you're still doing good work. You're still living a great life. You are still, you know, a very valid human, even if you need help on these certain things. And so there's this, this massive morality context around weight. Um, we think of it as an individual choice and a moral issue. And, you know, I often lead with this of, I do not think that healthy bodies are all skinny bodies. I think that there, you know, is a lot of evidence that it is not weight in specific that makes someone healthy or unhealthy but it is a part of our overall existence as a human. And if that is something that you want to address, I would like to give you the option to do it. And I will never force anyone to do it. And I will never give them, you know, an ethical conversation about what decisions they're making. I don't know that person's life story sufficiently to, to give them that type of feedback. If I can add one more thing, um, and this goes specifically to the program we've created together, Another sort of feature or factor in health, and I know Aaron sort of touched on the fact that it's not about weight 100%, right? It's not about pounds on the scale, 
Um, there's a whole piece of evidence, we know this, right, from Blue Zones from years ago, that socialization, community is a huge indicator as well in health. And so one of the things that we do is have a weekly call, whereas if you are struggling with whether it's the weight, the weight lifting, the motivation, whatever aspect of getting to a healthier lifestyle is your challenge, we have a weekly call um, where there's a lot of information shared. And it's frankly been one of the um, more rewarding assets in our program that we've heard from, from, from women. They've really enjoyed hearing what others are doing when they're in a similar boat. And so Aaron will be partaking on those calls. Um, we'll have a registered dietitian, a midlife trainer. You know, it's a group that's here with expertise in this particular area to help, um, you know, work through some of those issues. So you're not alone, which is, you know, usually uh, a yeah. big factor in, in struggling through this. Yeah. And definitely speaks to the context piece of how multifactorial this is. David, I have to ask though, you know, I think we're talking a lot about some of the pushback that we've heard. I will just, you know, qualify this a little bit in saying that a number of the patients um, who seek our services, the members on our platform are physicians. And so I think one component of the context that we should acknowledge is that um, obesity medicine is an emerging field as well as regenerative care. And so when we think through the classic training of our physicians, there, there may or may not have been focus on this specific area in their training program or in their past experiences. And so I do think that there is there is a lot of learning that physicians can do as well. And so when we trust people who are a physician, that is fantastic. Trust your doctors, of course, find a good one, trust them. But they may or may not have specialization in this area, nor may they you know, connect this to those higher risk factors that we are looking for. So again, I just want to reiterate the fact that you know, I think the pushback is good. I think the, the conversation around this is good. It, it helps us all strive to be better, but we also have to know our own limitations uh, as practitioners in this space of what we do and do not know about and what the messages that we're telling our patients is doing for their overall life course and their health pursuit. Um, I imagine there's probably more questions than just the, you know, kind of media coverage and the response to this. Um, do we want to talk more about that side of the house? We also have opportunities, you know, regenerative care does not stop at weight. Um, um, I, I want to get back. I want to stay with semiglutide. Because okay. this is sort of the this is sort of the thing out there, okay. um, and I, I'm just going to tell you some of the quotes that I've heard from well-known medical professionals about this. The fen fen of our time. Um, uh, uh, my favorite one: an injectable eating disorder. Um, you know what are you, what are your thoughts, Aaron, on the long-term effects of something like semiglutide, and and what is what's the dosage that you're giving people? So. To answer the last question first, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> the dosing is really, really specific. And so that is actually one thing I do like about the compounding version of this. If we have a syringe and vial, we can personalize the dose down to the half AV unit. Um, and so when someone is fearful of the nausea, heartburn, um, constipation, whatever it might be, those common side effects, um, we view that as a dosing issue. So unless someone has an intolerance to something, we can manage their experience. And I say, we, I am not doing this. Uh, our physicians manage um, the dosing so that they do not have to have those ne negative side effects. Um, and then do you titrate so, up from there? Exactly. Yep. So uh -huh. we can start and at what's very the low goal? Dose. What's the goal dose that you want? There is no goal dose. We have our maximums that 
you know, follow the clinical trials, but we are not putting someone on a path to an end dose. It is all in response to their body. What we like to see is a decrease in appetite of about 30%, depending on that person's context. So again, when we, when we just put numbers out this of, you know, 10 pounds, 50 pounds, it means something different for each person. So we like to help them balance their overall caloric intake, but we also give them, you know, with Anissa's, great support in this program guidance around how to balance their macronutrients and micronutrients as a whole. And so if a person is just seeking to decrease their calories, we often do that at the expense of nutrients. And so we don't want to see that happen. That's how our program I think is really different and that we can personalize it so that we're not necessarily restricting a person. We don't have limitations around what types of foods that they eat it will potentially reduce your cravings for things like alcohol, sugar, you know, saturated fats. It can be uncomfortable to eat high fat foods, um, fried foods, things like that. And so it does kind of help give us some training wheels, if you will, um, on, you know, making those good decisions for our own health. But for us, it's not that we're trying to arrive at some end dose. We're not trying to arrive at some percentage decrease in your appetite. We're not trying to arrive at some BMI or or weight itself. You know, what we're trying to do is find where that person feels the best that they can that motivates them to go live that best life. Are you doing body composition analysis? So you trying to understand how much fat versus muscle versus bone is being lost. We, so our program is structured in a subscription model that is not a part of our subscription model, but if a patient does want to pursue that, we can connect them into that. Um, For the subscription model itself, what um, is included in that is access, of course, to the platform, um, physicians, nurse practitioners to help it with ongoing support, uh, medication, laboratory tests, et cetera. So if they want to go through like the DEXA scans and all of that, mm-hmm. I invite that data in. I would love to take a look at it with everyone or the, or the physicians that's more valuable to them. Um, but it's, it's not included in our subscription price. So one of the issues that I'm hearing from medical professionals is that a minimum of 50% of the body weight that's being lost is in muscle. Um, Again, I think that really goes back to how you're doing the program. And I, so, you know, a lot of this feedback I think is really valid for a lot of the programs out there. It's just not relevant to ours necessarily, though we will still have patients, of course, um, that, that do go through, you know, muscle loss and, and things like that. Our program really is designed so that we assure intake of protein, so that we assure lifestyle change, so that we enable them to really go out and pursue those. Healthy so things. so I'm, I'm going to go to Anissa on this. So if we're looking at a 30% decrease in calories, which I'm, which is what I heard, um, and say a normal woman, say somebody's taking in, I'm just going to take a guess here, like 1700 calories, something like that. And it's coming down to say, 1200 calories, something like that. Amazing you know. math. <laughs> well, something like that. I just made that up. Uh, <laughs> um, but say, say you're coming down to something in that range. If the person weighs 120 pounds, you're going to want them to take probably, um, you know, what's that like? 120, 120 grams, grams of pro- protein. 120 grams of protein a day, which comes out to uh, so that's, uh, 600 calories of protein a day. So half of their caloric input has to be protein. Um, that's a project. <laughs> that's a yeah. lot of protein. Yeah. I mean, first of all, we do have a floor. Um, it depends on the person. I mean, I, 
I'm not a big fan of super calorie restriction. Um, so that's one piece because that can also mess with your metabolism. So you Absolutely. want to feel about that. Um, and we do have dietitians on board that actually help assist with getting levels of protein. And we have a number of ways we talk about that. And, you know, even on the vegan side of things, we have people who've gone through the program and are vegan and are trying to get a certain amount of protein. And, you know, what I like to say is I'm not a big fan of like the cut numbers. Like, yeah, it's great to say 40% carbs, 30% protein, 30% fat in what we do. Uh, But the reality is it's about making progress, right? And it's about getting um, more protein probably than you're getting today, making sure um, that a certain portion of your diet is protein and that that's evenly dosed throughout your day because there's a big factor of making sure you've always got those aminos in your bloodstream. Um, and it also it's about reduction of carbs, right? So it's about that balance more so than like perfection of doing the math hundred percent behind it. Um, and we do have the app and the app is the algorithm and the math and it'll show you, Hey, if you're perfect, this is what you want to do. And you start tracking your day, but ultimately it's progress, right? It's making that progress forward. But I, I think what's there, there's a lot of alarming things to to me about this, um, that the, um, it's so easy to just take a shot, right? Boom. I took a shot. I lost, I, I step on the scale. I feel good. What's not going to feel good is when you step on a DEXA and it says that, oh yeah, you lost 30 pounds, 15 minutes muscle. Your chances of getting that 15 muscle back. If you're a woman possible, but you know, outside of anabolics, really difficult. Um, and, and, and to me, it's this, it, the body comp argument here is the big one. It's not the, it's not the, it's not the weight number. It's what are you losing? I mean, that's the biggest focus that we have is strength training. And I don't think it's just coming Mm -hmm. from us, but it is all over the media for women. So they're getting the message in multiple places. Um, it's not just about taking a set of glutide and having this issue. It's about aging and having this issue. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, for a number of reasons, right. As we've talked about, it's metabolism, it's actual strength, it's independence in life, it's mobility. It's what you want to be doing in the future. I mean, there's a number of things you can sort of trigger motivationally to get people motivated. And then we have three different levels that we focus on from beginner. We have a progressive training program that goes 13 weeks that helps a woman who has never lifted a weight in her life, get started and feel comfortable doing that. Um, And there's an accountability piece to this as well with weekly meetings. Um, And we're moving to a team-based model. We're not hundred percent there yet, but you're teamed up with other people in your same boat. So this is about helping women get started and feel safe and feel comfortable doing that. Um, in the program that we're creating. So I know it's not a perfect world. I know that there's definitely people who, you know, they're going to take the shot, but on, you know, that's, you know, I, again, it's our job in this program to actually educate women coming in on the importance of the life, lifestyle piece of it and the support that we're going to give them and the tools we're going to give them to get, to get to make those changes and to get through that. Aaron, also, I think I want to say that, you know, it's, I I think we like to think of it as it's so easy to take a shot once a week and then you're done. But I think that's been really revealing about the program as a whole for men, women of all ages. This is not an easy experience for them because what we're addressing here is, again, that systemic issue. And Mm -hmm. so we often talk about how there's really kind of five stages of grief as someone is going through this program about, you know, shame and guilt and reflection and 
um, empowerment and happiness and joy and limitation. There are so many components psychosocially that go into this. And so I think we, again, are putting a morality question around what it means to be fat. And that's, you know, I think that's really unfair to our population. But again, I think we're mixing up here. Um, 10, 20, 30 pounds of menopausal weight gain versus being obese. These are these are very different health conditions. But going back to it, David, like everyone who is dealing with obesity at some point was 10, 20, or 30 pounds overweight. So you're are you're suggesting taking semi-glutide shots as a preventive to become obese. Is that did I understand that correctly? If a person does feel motivated to do that, I think that is valid. Hmm. Okay. And how long can someone take semi-glutide? They can take it indefinitely. You know, I think you have proof on that. I mean, I'm not hearing anybody say that indefinitely. There, the the safety profile is extremely high, and at this point, we have no data to. Whoa. Su- okay, so let's just back that up a little bit. So I'm hearing people on semi-glutide for unknown reasons, um, 15 beats per minute heart rate increase, heart rate variability. We don't. Where we don't was know the why, 15 but beats per minute? I've read between 2.75 and 3.5. Potentially, um, but it is dose related. Yeah. Generally, that kind of balances out over about two weeks. uh, I'm not hearing balancing out. And the dosage on that was 2.4 milligrams. Okay. And that's the the recommended maximum dose. Um, I would love to see the source on that because I have not seen the 15 beats per minute. And typically, we do see that balance out after about two weeks as your body adjusts. Um, Peter Atia. Okay. I'll uh, DM Peter to you and ask him for his sources. Ask Peter. Um, it, actually, his it. podcast is great with a whole list of sources. I'm sure it's in there. Um, the, he stopped using it with all of his patients unless people are morbidly obese. And then the trade-offs, um, you know, morbid obesity is has all kinds of health complications. Right. Um, as does, I mean, I know, I know you feel good about semaglutide, but a lot of other people feel that this is, there's a lot of really unknowns here. Um, yeah, I and, think there's there's often unknowns and, and things that wind up, you know, being great as well as not. And so again, this is this is someone balancing their own risk factors. I think what we're doing though is is trying to enable the individual to have choice. So like I was sharing for me in you know my diabetes story, the risk factors mm-hmm. for me oh, yeah. were I'm Absolutely. not morbidly obese. I uh, never you, was. No, but you have type one diabetes. But that's not type two diabetes, which is the drug that this is, or the disease state that this is is thought oh, to treat. True, true. Yeah, true. and so I think again, when we're just when we're hyper focusing on one specific component of health, it is limiting to the benefits of these medications. Um, I'm looking at the graph here, um, which was from the original um, FDA trial that was which approved. Um, semaglutide in the form of Ozempic um, as a, as a weight loss drug. And uh, as a weight loss drug. Uh, sorry. Wigovi is the weight loss drug. Ozempic was for type two diabetes. Right. Uh, this is for semaglutide. Um, okay. two, uh, dosage 2.4 milligrams. Um, first part of the treatment phase, 68 weeks. And, you know, you see like immediate um, rapid weight loss, and it's it sort of tails off at about 68 weeks, and then they stop the trial. So people go off Ozempic, 
And then you see the reverse happen, a very rapid weight gain. And at the end of the 52 weeks, um, and this is where your program comes in, Anessa, because these people are not doing your program. Right? Mm-hmm. So, anyway, yeah. Um, what happens is the rebound is now greater than the initial weight, with the exception of the people who lost more than 20% of their weight. And I, I believe the only reason they haven't rebounded fully is because they're still, um, you see the graph, There's the, it's still going up. So probably at like 60 or 70 weeks, they would be over. So what we're seeing here is without the intervention of something like what Anissa is talking about, um, the only way to keep the weight off is um, an indefinite use of the drug. Or lifestyle change. Yeah. And I think that there, you know, there are certain indications that it is showing that there is long-term effects. So things like insulin resistance, which is oftentimes what does make um, us gain weight as we age, we can, you know, fundamentally reconcile some components of that. So I think, you know, it can put someone in a better state of balance, but no one in the medical or health world will say that there's not a lifestyle component of this. It is just a means to enhance or lift the process of creating a healthier lifestyle. Do you see people coming off of this after a period of time? Yeah, I think um, there's going to be, as we move forward, a balanced mix of people coming off. Um, I think one, one thing that is unique about our program is we can have a maintenance phase of this. So if someone does want to stay on at a low dose, there are stage four clinical trials showing things like Alzheimer's prevention. A lot of people like how they feel on it in general. Um, plus there are cardiovascular and diabetes protection effects uh, as well. Um, so at a low maintenance dose, that is still physician guided. I think that there's a lot of ways that we can explore that pathway as, you know, to not see that, that increase as well. Um, and then there are people that will go off it, you know, it really depends on the scenario that we're in. We see a lot of people that, like I was saying, they're, they're having a hard time, month, year, years, Mm -hmm. and they know what to do to take care of their body, the lifestyle as they're aging in their context, and they need help getting there. And I think that this is, this is a nice solution for them to then come off the medication, but there's other spaces where that's, you know, that's not a, a realistic component. And I think oftentimes, you know, we're, we're talking about how, you know, being on medication for life is a bad thing. And, you know, the options sometimes for a person are they're on statins or they're on insulin or, you know, a number of these other drugs that also they're on for a lifetime. And so it's not, I think this, um, you know, scarlet letter that, that is often being accused of when you're on a medication for life, that it's inherently a bad thing. You know, there's a lot of protective factors that, you know, we are on medications for life. There's a lot of data on those though. And there will be a lot of data on semaglutide as well. Yeah, there might be. Um, And I think that that's another component of this is, you know, semaglutide is having a heyday right now, but it has been, and GLP-1 agonists have been around mm -hmm. for a lot longer too. And so one thing that I I think is interesting is that we oftentimes view the data as only valid when it's done by a pharmaceutical company. And there has been quite a bit of global research led by one of our co-founders, Dr. William Seeds, as well as amongst others who have 
you know, put research out on GLP-1 agonists and other peptides for a very long time, not very long, for many, many years and decades. And are you combining semiglutide with um, other peptides to help with the muscle loss problem? We can. Yeah. So um, in our program, again, we really personalize to the goals and the clinical need of the patient. So I'm sure there are also questions around, you know, risk factors, who's a good fit for this, who's not. And that sits with the physicians who have been certified in peptide therapies um, to really personalize the treatment plan that enables that person to, you know, hopefully go on and continue that health span for a, a very long time. I think the Inquisition is almost over. <laughs> Aaron, you've been very brave to come on today. You know, I don't know if I, I realized I was signing up for this when I started. You know, <laughs> at the end of the day, I think the the pushback, the Inquisitions, I'm glad that you're asking people like me. And I, I hope that we stop putting the pressure on the patients to feel shame. You know, I've had so many patients come in and say, you know, People say, you know, stop gaining weight, don't be fat, blah, 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 always judging people's weight. And now that we have a solution that recognizes obesity or, you know, the context that we're living in is creating weight, we're shaming them about that too. And so I think, you know, come to me to yell at me. I wish that we would stop putting pressure on the patients to sacrifice their mental well being for what they are in trying to invest in their health. That is heartbreaking to me as someone that sits with patients and helps them evaluate their decisions. I, I, I got to say though, that, 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 that without Anissa's component of this, um, it, it, I, I, you know, I don't know what to say. Um, it's, well, I think that's the other part of it. Is a lot of the not patients, good. The, a lot of the patients have their own lifestyle programs that they've really found comfort mm -hmm. in that work for them too. You know, yeah. I, I think yeah. again, we're assuming that people who are overweight or have obesity don't exercise and don't eat well. That is very untrue. You know, a lot of them are very excited about exercising and, and eating well. We just all need some help in certain contexts. The only thing I will add to that is the change in hormones does change how you eat and how you exercise. There are, there is science behind that. So for me personally, I have had a number of women come to me who have been very healthy most of their lives, eaten very healthy, exercised, you know, I, I just got off the call right before this one with someone who's joining the program who literally is about long endurance exercise and not losing weight. And we had a long conversation about high intensity and strength training, and I'd rather have her, you know, shorter bursts, shorter exercise. There's a lot of science behind that as you age. And so you know, it's really easy when you're younger and you're, you know, you're thinking you're going down this path and, and you're doing certain things and you're seeing results. It's frustrating as hell to a woman who's 45 or 50 years old to be doing the same thing she did and getting no results. So I just want to lop that on top that whatever has been working in the past does not always work in the future. That is the, that is the whole thing around the specificity of menopause and the lifestyle side of this. So. 100%. And it's not always easy for people as they're young either. And I think we're learning more, you know, we're learning more and more about that every day. Yep. And, you know, there are, there are helpful solutions that can, can push that yeah. forward a lot earlier in life. And, you know, David, I, I keep going back to this, but to me, I think what's really problematic about the current state of the healthcare system is that we, we wait until someone is a, in a disease state to treat them as opposed to prevention. And I think a lot of us, you know, Peter, Tia included, really want to focus on that prevention and setting us 
setting ourselves up for a healthy life pursuit. This is one component that we can start earlier to prevent some of those those side effects. So I do want to to think of peptide use or a number of our other interventions that are coming out, as well as, you know, food is medicine, exercise, all of those components as a component that leads to prevention and part of a complex equation for people that are, you know, really trying to do their best. I think it is a complex equation and I don't, I, I, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with, with, with any of that. Um, And we're learning that it's more complex than we ever recognized prior. Mm -hmm. There's um, yeah. Human biology is a really complex thing. Totally. Um, I, I studied I, it. I was it, not the best at it and I, <laughs> you know, it's hard. <laughs> the, you know, my, my crystal ball on this is in 10 years, um, maybe five years. Um, we're going to see the fallout from people doing this long-term who are not doing what Anissa is recommending them to do. And we're not doing what Anissa is recommending. Exactly. Exactly. And I I think we can all agree that lifestyle is a very large component of all Mm -hmm. health contexts, semaglutide or not. You know, I, I also, I frankly, I'm, you know, biting my tongue a little bit, but you know, some of these conversations are sensitive to me too, because insulin is also a peptide. It's our really kind of our first peptide Mm -hmm. and I'm on that for life, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think if someone was starting insulin at this point, would we, would be, would we be saying in five or 10 years, we're going to have a lawsuit, you know, it's, if we're approaching diabetes and type one diabetes as a disease, and we are approaching obesity as a disease, you know, I think there's a conversation. This is, this is apples and oranges. Um, This is is two totally different things. You're talking about your pancreas is not putting out enough of a, of a core hormone for your body to deal with glucose. Mm-hmm. Semaglutide is not a core hormone for your body. Um, and by lawsuit, I can tell you what I think is going to happen here. You're going to get a woman who maybe started semaglutide at 60. She dropped whatever, 30, 40 pounds, 20 of that is muscle. She falls down at age 70 because she doesn't have the muscle strength. She breaks her hip because she doesn't have the bone density. She dies and her family sues Norbo Nordisk for the drug. Um, that's what I, I think there's going to be a lot of that happening. Hmm. Um, that's not what I was intending to talk about. Just that if we're approaching, you know, obesity as a disease state, we have to start treating obesity as a disease state. So mm-hmm. that's a component of, of what I was talking about. And so when yeah. we are putting a lot of shame around this medication for a very small percentage of use cases, I want us to, to think about that context. Yeah. I will debate more in, you know, with myself um, <laughs> around the, the bone density component, the uh, muscle loss component, because you know, to all of our repeated points here, a lot of that does go into lifestyle. There are Absolutely. also a number of of medications that can support that, whether it is hormone replacement therapy mm-hmm. um, and other components that we invest in our health. So, you know, those are, again, multifactorial components. And so we have to balance that all in terms of a care plan, which is why I will say repeatedly, if you are going to use a GLP-1 agonist, please have a trusted physician source that can manage your whole health picture. <laughs> yeah. And I think you want to do it um, with either a Nessus program or something very similar. Totally. Because long-term you're looking at 
you're just looking at bad stuff. Yeah. yeah, I don't I don't really care what drug you take. If you don't have a lifestyle component, you're in trouble. Your your muscles, your bone density, I, I really don't care. You have to stress those areas of your body as you age. Mm-hmm. Point no one, I don't think anyone disagrees with that. No, you know. Mm-hmm. It's really unless there's a, a, a health reason too. I yeah. can't imagine what that is multiple uh, sclerosis. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can absolutely. I mean, there are, yeah, you in, are in, right, but there's not, a, there's not many really. And I mean, you're right though. There is, I guess. Um, but activity is rarely a bad thing. Totally. You guys have been such sports. Um, I'm, I'm my prosecutorial hat has been put up. I don't really want to do this again. <laughs> <laughs> I really like to make friends. <laughs> same uh, you know and, i i do welcome the conversation i i do just want to say when we we focus on a lot of the proselytizing um or what it, what it, what were you calling it the not interrogation that might be my word inquisition that's it inquisition when we're, yeah. when we're focusing on some of the inquisition i i don't want us to isolate people that can really benefit and that is my just repeated message over here mm-hmm. of Everything we say as people with platforms has consequences. And if we are creating shame for people who do benefit from a treatment like this, I don't want to, I don't want to be a a participant in that. If we are talking about, you know, the micromanaging for a bikini, like there are so many elements of socialization that we could deal with on that front. That's not who our programs are designed for. We really are intending to make the U.S. the healthiest nation in the world. That's, you know, getting that tattooed on my forehead. <laughs> I, um, I'm very happy you said that. It's not about the bikini vacation. If you're doing this for a bikini vacation, bad, 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 bad. But if or, you are in a you know, state, this is something that's really helpful. A swim trunks vacation. I don't want to be or what? Okay. <laughs> okay. Or whoever we're is wearing that bikini. So. Yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah. Good point. It's unusual to wear swim trunks as a woman, but possible. Yeah. Um, you guys have been great. Um, thank you so much. You've been really good sports on this. Um, we're going to put thank all kinds of having. links um, in, uh, um, in the show notes. Um, if you want to engage with telegenics and with the NISIS program and, and, what Aaron is offering. Where do they go, Aaron? So they will sign up eventually at app.telegenics.com. What I would recommend that anyone interested in our program does is book a consultation um, that can help you decide uh, what is what or if a good path is for you. Um, and you could do that through our website. You will be able to register for our program, which starts in April on um, app.telegenics.com. You'd select the program that is noted as Be Untethered. We have an option for weight management. We also have an option for men- uh, mental clarity, which we didn't talk about at all. Um, but next next podcast. Um, and Anissa, do you want to add? Yeah, I just wanted to add uh, be-untethered.com. We also have a website um, web landing page that outlines the details of the program. Um, it's called Jumpstart. So when you're on our homepage, you'll see a little Jumpstart burst. Click it; it'll take you there. Yeah, another place and to, two places to sign up. Absolutely, and we'll coordinate, you know, between us. So either location is a is a great uh, is a great place to go. Um, Intelligenics has two X's. People often 
don't get that part. <laughs> Aaron and Nessa, thank you both so much for being on the show. Um, it was great to have this conversation. For all of you out there listening, please share this with people who are interested in this topic. And I think there's a lot of people out there that are interested in it and need to hear some facts on this. Um, we will be, as we said, leaving in the show notes links to Telegenics and to Be Untethered for all you folks that are interested. So you can get in touch with these guys who are experts on this. And I clearly am not. But it was great to have them on and get some information here. But now is the time in the show when we do just try this, which is that little fortune cookie to help you live a little better, a little longer, a little happier. And we're going to do that in just a second after a quick word from one of our sponsors. Today's show is also brought to you by Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is the dashboard to your inner health. You know, we talk about this a lot, about metrics, what matters, biomarkers. The thing is, you can't take actions on things that you don't know about, and what you don't know about can hurt you. I use Inside Tracker. I take their ultimate test four times a year. I look at their biomarkers. I see what's moving from quarter to quarter, so I can see if I've made changes in my program and my diet. Is there something that I need to adjust? And their food first, supplement second recommendations are great. I always share results with my doctor. And if there's something we need to go over, we do that. Get a dashboard to your inner health. Go to insidetracker.com slash ageist, save 20% on all their products. This week on Just Try This, my suggestion is in the morning, from between maybe when you wake up to, you know, when you go to work, when you engage with your work life, take a break from your phone, from the news, from social media, and the reason for this is so you can hear your own thoughts. So much of our thinking is impacted by the energies and the points of view from outside of us. And it's really nice to have a little time to understand what do we think? What are we feeling? And we can't do that if we're bombarded by all this sort of digital noise that's out there. So I like to take, you know, probably an hour, two hours, I'll go to the gym. I don't really look at social media. I don't really look at my email. I don't look at the news. I'll meditate. I'll have my breakfast. And this is sort of my time to hear what I'm thinking. And then there's plenty of time to absorb all these other energies and see how those interface with what I'm thinking. So just try this. Take a little break in the morning. You know, all that stuff's going to be there later in the day anyway. You're not going to miss anything. <laughs> Everyone, have a wonderful week. It was great to have you with us. And if you like this podcast, and we have had some rocking podcasts the last month or so. I mean, it's it's been amazing. It's been a wonderful time here at the Super H Podcast. We have some tremendous guests. But you can leave us up to a five-star review wherever you're listening to this. And we would so like that. And as we mentioned earlier, please share this with people who you think could use it. And leave us a comment. If you have any questions... You want to get in touch with me directly, david at superage.com. Happy to answer whatever you've got. Answer all my email personally and promptly. Everyone, have a wonderful week. Take care now. Bye.